we make promises all the time. Sometimes we keep them. Sometimes we don't. We promise that uh, we'll get that assignment done and given to our teacher tomorrow at school, and then two days later, teacher's still waiting for us. We promise our spouse we'll, we'll fix that leaky faucet over the weekend, and a month later, it's still dripping. We text our friend that we'll, we'll, we'll do lunch in a, in a little bit, and, and then we never do. We promise our landlord we'll, we'll get in the rest of the rent when we get paid. We tell our children we're going to pick them up at a certain time. We, we join a church and say we're going to be faithful in coming to church. We, we make promises all the time. And not a single one of us has kept every promise. God, however, has kept every promise. And we see that really clearly at Christmas. And so what we're going to do tonight, we're going to look at a number of promises that God made and that he kept. The first promise is the promise to love. We see that in Isaiah 54. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God's unfailing love will not be shaken. If God promises something, he keeps it, even if we show that we don't deserve it. Do you know what happened in those 700 years between this promise from Isaiah and actual Christmas? Do you know what humanity did? They worshiped idols. They brought offerings to God that people begging for food wouldn't even want. They cheated on their spouses. They ignored their parents. They stole, they lied, they killed. They ignored God's laws, but made up their own laws and considered them more important. Now, granted, we weren't alive then. But if we were, we would be no better. Probably even worse. They were not faithful to God. And neither had. But God was faithful to them, and God is faithful to us. He promised to love, and He kept that promise. We see that in the Christmas story. A reading from Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, 
and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. She gave him the name Jesus. Now, Mary and Joseph, they, they pledged, they promised their love to each other. But that's not really what this reading is talking about. What this really shows us is God's unshakable, unmovable love for us. No matter what we do, no matter what past you have, no matter what promises you've made and not kept, God loves you. That is his promise. That was his promise and that is his promise that he keeps. God promised to love. He also promised to forgive. We see that promise in Jeremiah 31. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That is an amazing promise. The holidays sometimes can be awkward. Not every family gets along. Not everyone at work likes each other. And so sometimes just for civility's sake at family gatherings, you keep your mouth shut. At the work uh, holiday party, maybe you just stay in one side of the room to avoid a, a blow-up with someone else. Uh, for grandma's sake, you just stay civil at school. You... You behave when the teacher's watching, but when the holiday's over, no one's looking. Things go back to less than ideal. But that is not how God is. God does not act civilly for a little while and then look out. No, what he promises, he does. He promises to forgive wickedness. And he means it. And it is wickedness. We all sin. We, we can make excuses. We can explain our attitude. We can blame others. But what we do, what we say, what we think, it is sin. It is wicked. And God says, he will forgive that wickedness. He will remember our sins no more. That is an amazing promise. The only reason God can say that is because of Jesus. The only reason we are here is because of Jesus. That promised forgiveness was kept because of Jesus. The record of his birth is in Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. 
She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now Christmas was not the culmination of God's promise to forgive. It was just the beginning. Jesus was born. He still had to live that perfect life, that holy life for us. Not long ago, I was visiting some members, and they had this painting on a wall. And I just loved it. I guess it's by a local artist. And I love how it connects Christmas with the cross. You see, a transition there is the needles fall away from the tree and you're left with the cross, even a crown there. Christmas was just the beginning. It led to the cross. You see, Jesus was born with a goal and the goal was that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us. That is God's promise to forgive. A promise he kept. Every one of us understands what it means to feel alone. It can be in a crowded room and feel alone. It can be in a marriage and feel alone. You can be popular at school and have lots of friends and still feel lonely. You can be really good at school and get great grades or not care about school. You can be a, a big pers people person or a quiet introvert. We've all felt what it is to be lonely. I think that feeling can certainly come out then when things happen to us, bad things. We're in the hospital. We just lost a job. We got dumped. We got pulled over by the police. We're not able to pay all the bills. We've, we've lost mom. We, we've lost a spouse. We turn on the news and wonder, how could someone do that? Feeling alone is not unique to us. Everyone's felt it. And that's why this promise of God means so much and brings so much comfort. It, it is a promise that God is present. We see it in Isaiah chapter Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 
Now that name, that word Emmanuel is really interesting. It's really a combination of two Hebrew words. Emanu, which means with us, and El, which is short for Elohim, God. God is with us. Usually, when we feel alone, it's because we don't think anyone understands what we're feeling, what's going on up here. That's why you can be in a crowded room and feel alone because no one there understands what you're thinking. But God, he knows what you're going through. He knows what we're thinking. He knows how hard it is to fight that temptation. He, he knows how addicted you've become. He, he knows how much that rejection hurts. He knows how tight the finances can be. He knows the pain of losing someone. He knows the, the physical pain, uh, uh, overwhelming at times. He knows how messy divorce is. He knows because not only is God, he is God, but he is God with us. He came here to be one of us. The promise of Emmanuel means that Jesus is one of us, God in the flesh. He lived among us. He experienced the things we do. That means he understands firsthand what it feels like to be abandoned. He understands what it feels like to be scrambling to pay the bills. He understands what it feels like to lose someone and miss them. He understands when a pain is shooting through the nerves. He understands because he's experienced it. And so we are, we are not alone. He's with us when we feel misunderstood. He's with us when we grieve. He is with us when we see our parents argue. He's with us when we struggle with addiction with us when our loved ones wander. He's, lived, he's with us because he understands us. And he understands us because he's kept this promise to be present. Was that promise fulfilled? Let's look again at Luke chapter 2. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Those shepherds saw God being present. God, Emmanuel, is with us. But not only is he with us, he also promises to help us. We see that promise in Isaiah 41. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God promises to help us. When times are tough, finances are tight, when there's conflict at work, when a husband is manipulative and abusive, when so many things happen that causes so many emotional scars, God promises to help us. Now, for Mary and Joseph, they were still in Bethlehem. Things had gotten a little better for them. They were in a house. And then these strangers, these magi from a faraway land came and brought these gifts, that expensive gifts that probably cost more money than they had ever seen in their lifetime. And this event showed once again how amazingly significant their child was. But then the Magi left. And that is when things turned seriously bad. Herod ordered an army armed with orders to kill. And in that horrible event, God helped Mary and Joseph. He he used the Magi to give them these gifts that could probably finance a trip outside of the country. God sent another angel to Joseph to tell him to get out of town immediately. Now, the visit of the Magi, we know. But we don't often hear the end of the story. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house... They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what he was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. 
So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when we heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went to live in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a God helped marrying Joseph. That was a promise he fulfilled to them. It's also a promise that he fulfills to you and me. And often, like with the Magi, God uses other people to give that help. Yesterday, we, along with, um, with Zion Lutheran across town, gave help to some refugees who have experienced horrific things and, and traumatic events. Had a Christmas service in their language, gave them a meal, some gifts for the children. There was even a, a pickup soccer game across the street in the playground. And we helped them. Showed them love. We helped families send their students to Illinois Lutheran to be in a safe school where they hear about Jesus every single day. We help our community by cleaning up after parades. We we help those in need with our blessing box, with food for those that need it. God uses us to help others. Even when there are severe, deep losses, a hug, a prayer, comfort offered. Scientists and researchers have learned something God has known for a very long time. It's how he designed us. What helps a person through grief, what helps a person get through a traumatic event is community. A loving family and a loving community. God uses us to help those in need. And when we are the ones that are hurting, God used to help us. That's God's promise. And it is one, like all the other promises, that God keeps. The last promise we're going to look at is not one we normally talk about at Christmas time. We, we see it in the Christmas event. Uh, you see it in, in the lives of the shepherds who saw the baby Jesus and spread the word about him. We see it in Mary who, who pondered all these things in her heart. You, you see it in the Magi who traveled so many miles to see Jesus. They were changed. You see, that promise to change us in this reading from Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. God promises to change us, to give us a new heart, a new spirit. He promises not just to love us, not just to forgive us, not just to be present, not just to help us, but also to change us. 
Now, after Jesus was born, but before the Magi came to visit, Mary and Joseph took the little tiny baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem. And there in the temple was a man named Simeon. When Simeon saw Jesus, when he held Emmanuel, God with us, in his arms, it it changed him. Look at what Luke chapter 2 tells us. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, I don't know all that Simeon felt. Somehow God had revealed to him he would not die until he saw the Savior And when he did, he was ready. He was ready to depart. And he praised God because of it. Seeing Jesus changed him. Here, in the inside. God promises the same thing for us. Although it's not always in the way we want it, it is the way he wants it, which is always best. Years ago, I'd heard about this Christmas play that some church had put on, and I don't remember the name, I don't remember all the details, but it had the basics of the Christmas story. Uh, The angel Gabriel telling Mary she would be with child, the the angel appearing to Joseph in the dream, them going to... Bethlehem, the baby being born, putting the little baby Jesus in in the straw of the manger, the the shepherds coming and talking about what the the angels had told them, even the the magi bringing those gifts most rare. I I remember the the end of the play. It's Joseph in his workroom. Remember, he's a carpenter. He has all these tools everywhere. He's got progress. And as he's working on a project, grabbing this tool and that, he's, he's just talking out loud and marveling. Marveling at how the angel had appeared to him in the dream, how, how they had to place Jesus in the straw of the manger, how the shepherds came, how the magi came with those gifts, and he's just marveling at all of it. And, and as he's working on this project, he just says out loud, Wow, I... If they treat my son this way when he's a baby, what are they going to do when he's grown up? And the lights turn off. And you hear him still working on the project. And the tool he's using 
is a hammer. You hear the pounding of the hammer. Christmas is only the beginning. It ends at the cross. Jesus was born to die. To die for every one of us. And the Christmas birth and the cross, it changes us. It changes us from a sinner to being forgiven. It changes us from being outside of God's kingdom to being an heir of eternal life. And not only does it change our eternal destination, it changes us right now. So live that change. Love each other as God has loved you. Forgive each other as God has forgiven you. Be present there for others as God is present in your life. Help each other as God has helped you. And be that agent of change in someone else's life. Because God has not only given promises, He's kept those promises. And that changes us.